the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good morning, everybody. This is Dr. Bill, your Radio MD, and I'm coming at you on AM 860, The Answer, and one of our FM stations, iHeart. I think we're streaming on Facebook, but I don't know for sure because I can't get to that site while I'm also streaming. At least I haven't figured it out yet. Well, I hope everybody had a great 4th of July. How was yours, Ken? You have a good one, buddy? Uh, it was fine until, you know, when you, when we have, I get here at 6 o'clock in the morning start doing some radio, and the guys in the neighborhood don't know that. <laughs> so they were, shooting oh my those, God. they were shooting them boomers off till midnight, 1 o'clock last night. And, so they didn't let you sleep, huh? Not much, and the dog doesn't like them very much either, so he was barking back, you know. So oh, my. It's, oh, my. I'm used to it. It's the, it's, the manner, it's the way it is with morning radio and uh, 4th of July. It's just always like that. So I, I went out to one of these TNT uh, firework tents, you know, that sure. they have in parking lots all over, and I, I copped a couple of hundred bucks worth of fireworks, and we had uh, we had a great dinner here with uh, our neighbors, and then we went over to one of our neighbors' house who lives inside of the subdivision, and he's on the water, so we set up on his dock, and we fired off the fireworks, and they were pretty spectacular, you know, they... Obviously, if you were looking at them from a distance, they would not have been that great. But I was impressed. Everybody was impressed. It was uh, it was a good good show, good display. Unfortunately, because of the virus, the the, the public displays, the judicial, the uh, municipalities and the cities didn't have theirs. But oh well, what are you going to do? Neighborhood had it a was, pretty good show in my area, so that was good. It was yeah, it was really a wonderful Fourth of July. Much more low key than I'm used to. Um, the, the virus is, of course, uh, disturbing to a lot of people, and uh, I think that there is reason to fear. But I think for the young people overall, it, it's, it's, it's a non-event. Uh, you know, they get a little sick. A few of them have died. Uh, under 17, I don't think anybody's died in Florida. I, I haven't heard of any deaths from the COVID virus, and I don't think that the uh, death rate has really uh, gone up with the increase in number of cases. So I think this thing's going to work its way through the through the population and we'll either build up herd immunity or we'll get a vaccine. Um, hopefully Fauci will disappear, get rid of that guy. I had a big argument with one of the guys in the lunchroom, uh, my friend Sudi. He's a, he's a, a never Trumper. He hates Trump. Oh, he's so narcissistic and all that. And, you know, I'm like, they're presidents. That's what, what that's the way that most of them are. You know, you're not going to get out of bed in the morning and say, I want to be president unless you think you're something super special. It ain't going to happen. So at any rate, he's telling me that Trump said not to wear a face mask and blah, 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 blah. And I said, no, Fauci said all that. And Trump's a racist. And I'm like, well, show me, show me where you see these speeches, because I don't think you're really 
seeing the speeches. I think you're just looking at CNN or MSNBC and looking at the chopped up uh, videos that they put together and make it look like he's saying things that he's not. Now, granted, he does leave himself open because he says a lot, but, you know, that's his personality, and uh, he's a ham. He's a showman. Why are the president saying just this week, wear a mask if you feel you need to wear a mask? He wasn't personally going to be wearing a mask. He's president of the United States. He's got, he lives in a bubble. Yeah, he does. Everybody around him is being tested all the time. He's being, he's been tested. So I can understand why he might say, I I really don't need to do this right now. But if everybody else, if you want to do it, do it. Yeah. And I think that he probably does wear a mask in certain settings, but he just doesn't want the the uh, news to the, the press to see him wearing it. Well, it's true. <laughs> Just yeah. to tweak him, you know. You know, the other thing, Ken, is is this whole nonsense about uh, uh, about Plaquenil not working. And then we had this study come out of uh, Henry Ford Hospital up in Detroit last week, and uh, they say that they have shown a decrease in the death rate in people who were started on the on the uh, Plaquenil with who were symptomatic with the virus in hospital, uh, they, they decreased the death rate by almost half. And, uh, the only thing they could attribute it to so far, of course, I haven't read all of the study and seen what other medications they were on, but assuming apples and apples, it it does seem to help. And, you know, I've been saying this since the get go, you'll remember back in March, remember I told you we went out and bought 500 uh, tablets of it. The wife and I ordered it from our supplier. I think that it probably has a prophylactic effect, too, uh, uh, although there are side effects, the main one being diarrhea. But, uh, you know, the the fact that that researchers around the world are publishing false data saying that it doesn't work and then having the uh, the Lancet and the New England Journal of Medicine have to retract the articles that they had put in saying that it doesn't work, the Plaquenil, just tells me that the hatred of this man, which is, by the way, worldwide uh, amongst the intelligentsia, they just can't stand him. And I don't understand why. I mean, it, it doesn't make any sense. He's, he's brought more order to the world than we've seen in a long time. Um, did you see where one of uh, Iran's uh, nuclear facilities was was damaged and the uh, the Iranians mysteriously are, blew up there, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. And the, the Iranians are blaming the Israelis, and the Israelis right. said, "Well, we're not responsible for all of the accidents to your nuclear facilities." <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. So this is the Fourth of July weekend. It's a great, great time, and I love this holiday along with Thanksgiving. These are my two favorite holidays. Now I've heard a lot of talk on the on the on the TV, the talking heads about how this is uh, a holiday given by God. And, and that's fine. I, I don't have a problem with people believing that, that God ordained this holiday, but uh, I'm kind of of the free will side and that we made these decisions, we the people. And I know that it was an imperfect union to begin with. And that's why in the, in the preamble to the Constitu- Constitution, we say in order to to form a more perfect union that we're a work in progress. And we'll talk about the Declaration of Independence a little bit more as we get into the show. By the way, I don't think most people have even read it. Have you read the whole Declaration of Independence, Ken? Boy, probably not since high school, to tell you the truth. 
I don't even think yeah. high schoolers read it. You know, it's well, a, we had to read it for we had we had a constitution class we had to pass. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I don't think they do nowadays. I don't even think they teach uh, civics. Well, that's sad. Uh, I, well, it is sad because the kids don't know what we're about. They don't know who we are. I and mean, you know, my son, he had some of this, but he's forgotten a lot of it. And uh, because he went to Admiral Farragut Academy, a military high school prep school. And they got a lot of a lot of this, so they had to go through a lot of this. And but it is sad that most of the country doesn't even know anything more than life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, which uh, a lot of people say is God given, and that's what Thomas Jefferson said. But you know who started that whole that whole topic, that whole movement, that whole uh, narrative was a, a philosopher named Locke who lived in the. Uh, earlier part of the 18th century, uh, he predated the founding fathers by uh, a couple of decades, but he was the one who actually penned all of that initially. He he said that there were inalienable rights that humans had uh, to their property, as well as to their person and to their freedom, their liberties. Uh, and of course, the the whole issue of slavery was still there. So that was uh, the the stain that had to be removed by the Civil War. But uh, you got to start somewhere, Ken. You got to start somewhere. You can't just uh, erase the chalkboard and say, "All right, now we're going to remake the world." I mean, I mean, that's craziness. What do you want to re- reinvent the wheel for? If you got a wheel and it's bumpy, well, let's learn how to smooth it out. If it's got a flat, let's learn how to patch it and blow it back up. I mean that. That just makes sense to me. And one step I, at a, one step at a time. They were trying to create a new nation. Yeah, and you know Washington actually uh, he he became an abolitionist quietly uh, after the Revolutionary War because he had blacks, he had uh, p- people from all of the colonies, he had foreigners, he had a Polish drill master, he had a you know German aide, he had a a French aide de camp with Lafayette, and uh, he was. Uh, he, he went into it, a very secular guy, and he came out of it a worldly man. And he said, you know what? Uh, all men are equal, and they should have equality. But he knew that if he freed his slaves uh, at the time of the, of the writing of the Constitution and the adoption and the formation of the Second Republic, the United States of America, rather than the, Confederate, uh, the uh, Continental Congress uh, states, that the country would fall apart. There'd be a civil war. So... He said, look, I'm going to free my slaves at my death. And he realized that slavery was not a good thing. It was an evil thing. It uh, held people down. And even those who were bright and industrious, you know, there was there was a ceiling there, it was just like there is for a lot of people today. And that, that sense of not being able to move up the socioeconomic ladder it's gotten a lot better, though. Come on, let's face it. You know, if you want to go to medical school, you got the brains, and you and you want to put in the time and the effort, you can do it. And I know there are a lot of people that say, "Well, you can't get into an MD school that easily," and the DO schools are getting harder. But there's a Caribbean schools. I know kids that went to Poland, uh, France, uh, Mexico, and did their medical school schooling there, and then came back to the states for their. Uh, clinical rotations and their internships and residency. So you can do what you want. And, you know, I've told the story about my, my mother, 
multiple times, and my sister has said she didn't have the same chances as the men did. And I'm like, Jackie, your mother was a doctor in 1942, 43, what do you want? You make your your opportunities. You seize the moment, and you you do what you have to do to get where you want to go. It just depends on how badly you want it and what uh, what uh, basic skills and assets you have that you can put to use. But I think that that's probably the, the great part of the of the uh, Declaration of Independence, Independence is that it gives us a sense of hope that we can achieve our, our goals and dreams if we really want to, that they're there for our taking. And that doesn't mean that everything is equal and, and hunky-dory. We've still got a ways to go, but that's that's always, I mean, that's an ongoing process. There's no, there's no magic uh, to any of this. It's a work in progress, as it should be. <clears throat> but to destroy it and tear it all down makes no sense to me. So the, the Declaration of Independence was uh, written by a committee of five, with the main author being uh, the great wordsmith Thomas Jefferson. Now, there really wasn't anything new in there. It was just the way that Jefferson put it together that made it such a a magnanimous piece of writing and something that is quoted around the world. Other members of the committee included Ben Franklin, John Adams, Livingston, and uh, I think there was one more, Patterson. I can't remember who it was, but there were five guys on the committee. And they all decided that although they would uh, edit and and make the final revisions and present that to the Continental Congress in 1776, that Jefferson was the wordsmith. He was the writer. And that was his, by the way, that's what he wanted on his gravestone. Did you know that? I he wanted know. that he, he did. He said, I want that my gravestone to read that I was the author of the Declaration of Independence. And uh, of course, he became a great man in his time and has remained a great man for most Americans, some not so much because of, of the fact that he was a slave owner. But, you know, the guy died in poverty. He died flat broke. And his estate uh, was in ruins for decades before a historical society finally uh, bought it and restored it. But Didn't he give his book collection to the Congress? For the I think first he, Library of Congress or replace one or something like that? I think he did. Yeah. I think he did. Yeah, he was a great guy. Yeah, and, you know, he was he was a man. I mean, he was fallible, but, but they were all fallible. And, right. But they, they were giants in that they stood on each other's shoulders and uh, made the world notice them. And the Declaration of Independence, uh, as it starts out, uh, is a decree to the world that here we're going to make a stand and we're going to say something that uh, has never been said before, at least not by a nation or a newly found or a foundling nation. But I think that that was uh, the uh, the beauty of it was that that they were doing something extremely uh, uh, radical that had not been done before and that the background of this was rooted not in politics, but in philosophy, although they were mostly lawyers and they did uh, edit and give their political um, their political acumen to it. And remember that you had what a, almost a hundred years of uh, some of these colonies 
somewhat self-ruling themselves. And so you had 13 colonies doing this. And, you know, you had several hundred years of, of, of experience, of governmental experience and legal experience. So these guys were not just babies coming out of the woods. I mean, they were pretty bright guys. So the main points of the Declaration of Independence is uh, that we hold these truths to be self-evident, and that's right out of Locke's uh, uh, prayer book, that all men are created equal, and men are given by God certain unalienable rights. They are endowed by their creator, because these guys were believers in God, with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But integral to the whole founding of our country was property rights as well. And they said that they had the natural right to declare independence from England. When in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature and of nature's God entitles them. I mean, this was their declaration that, hey, you know, we're big boys and girls and we're going to do what we want. And you can't stop us, King George. So it was, it was a situation where they had been uh, attempting to reconcile their differences with King George and Parliament since 1760, since the end of the French and Indian War, Seven Years' War in Europe. And they weren't getting anywhere. And they said, look, we don't mind paying rent. We don't mind paying taxes to stay at home. But you got to give us a vote in household affairs. you got to give us uh, some status in the household. If you're going to treat us like, like uh, minors, then, you know, by that I mean not people who dig in the ground, but, but people who are underage, uh, then we're not going to stay home. We're going we're gonna to leave. And King George said, well, if you leave, I'm going to spank you. And we said, well, spank away. We're gone. And it was kind of a, we are our own people, and we have certain rights, and you can't take them from us. And then they went into the whole list of grievances. Oh, my gosh, did you know the list of grievances, Ken, that they had? I mean, they were not only the king was quartering troops in their homes and trying to take their guns away. By the way, that's where the Second Amendment came from. And the whole idea of... of the Bill of Rights, a lot of it came out of all of this, the idea that you can't station troops in people's, in private people's homes, uh, you can't take away their their guns, you can't hold them without uh, a, a reason, and that they have a right to their day in court. All these things came out of the grievances that the colonials had with King George and Parliament, because as they got more and more rebellious, the king and Parliament clamped down more and more and, and, and said, you don't have these rights, you don't have those rights, and they started to take them away. And so the colonial said, well, look, any form of government that becomes destructive to its ends is not in the best interest of the people, and the people have a right to rebel. Hey, guess what? We still have that. If we don't like the way things are going, we still have the right to rebel. Governments are instituted among men. They're made by men. They're not made by gods. They're not made by kings or royalty. There's no, there's no divine right to form a government and impose will upon people. And you derive your, your just powers from the consent of the governed. That's what the Declaration of Independence declared. 
So the consent of the governed is you and me. We decide and we make the decisions and we have the right. And we also have the right to make mistakes and to correct those mistakes. And that's what we did. So we broke away and then it was kind of a, you know, flipping a bird at, at, at dad. Uh, we're leaving and you can't stop us. So it was George versus George, George the Third versus George Washington in the field. But we had other people that were integral to the process. We had uh, John Adams, who was in the, in the uh, legal and political arena of our revolution, the equivalent of Washington in the, uh, in the military side of it. And the, the whole idea that we are here is because of a few men who were willing to make a stand and to lead the country through uh, uh, a very, very bloody and difficult four or five years of battle, 1776 to 1781. The treaty wasn't signed until 1783, but, and actually the, the British troops didn't leave New York until after the treaty was signed, but uh, the the fighting was over pretty much at, at, in 1781. Um, as we all know, um, Washington and the French uh, beat Cornwallis out there in the peninsula of Virginia. So who were the main players in all of this? Well, as I've said, the main author was Thomas Jefferson. And this was adopted on July 2nd, but it was... Uh, edited by the Committee of Five. Uh, they would give their, their ideas and the rough draft to Jefferson, and he'd go home and he'd rewrite it. He'd come back, they'd make a few changes, he'd put that in. And so on the second, they, they secretly adopted it, and on the fourth, they made the announcement that, uh, that the Declaration of Independence had been adopted and they had sent it to King George. And so that's the day that we celebrate our Declaration of Independence. And who's this John Locke guy? Well, he was a philosopher in the Age of Enlightenment, and he lived about 40, 50 years before the Constitution was written. And he believed that people are born with certain natural rights, life, liberty, and property, and that people form governments to protect these rights, not to have these rights usurped and taken away. And by the way, we don't want to give up our rights to uh, groups like Black Lives Matter because what they want to do is take our rights away. They want to say, you don't have the right to this or that because you're white and you were part of the whole slavery uh, situation, which is, of course, not true. I mean, I, you know, my family wasn't even here before 1900, so slavery had ended. <clears throat> now, you can say, well... White Americans have had a long history of prejudice. That's true. And we're changing. We're growing. We've learned a lot over the past 50 to 60 years. And these things take time. But if the government interferes with these rights, as John Locke said, the people have a right to overthrow the government. That's us. We can overthrow our government. So we had to justify to ourselves and to the world why we were rebelling, what we were upset about. And so we put in a preamble and we made the declaration of the natural rights of men. We listed our grievances and we resolved to be independent. And so the preamble explains why the Continental Congress wrote the Declaration of Independence. 
we're leaving. We're not happy. We have rights. And so we, we told King George adios, and away we went with our unalienable rights, which we fought for. And you say, well, it wasn't for everybody. But, you know, you got to put yourselves in the times, and you got to remember that those freedoms were eventually gained by black Americans, by the slaves, with the Civil War, and that they have been evolving, and things have gotten a lot, lot better. I mean, I can't tell you how much difference there is now than when I was a kid. Unfortunately, at that time, men were in, in the charge, and they felt that women were weaker and didn't have the ability to uh, rationally deal with the problems that, that they thought were germane to their time and to their well-being. And so, unfortunately, Abigail Adams, who was John Adams' wife, she was uh, pretty upset because she wrote uh, John letters repeatedly saying, hey, you know, if you're going to do this right, you got to let women be involved, too. <clears throat> and she was also an abolitionist. She just hated slavery, and uh, she wanted that abolished along with the forming of the, of the new government and the new Constitution. And so... Then we get into the grievances, and what are the grievances? Well, they specifically blame King George for their problems, and there's 28 grievances. Did you know that, Ken? 28. Can you believe that? I did not know there were that many, no. (laughs) They were upset. They were not happy. Uh, They said that the British soldiers were in the colonies without the colonials' permission because the colonials could form their own militia to defend themselves. And that when they did need the the British soldiers, the king wouldn't send them. That they were quartering British troops in the colonies. They were forcing people to uh, open their homes up to allow British troops to be housed. Now we have that in our Constitution that you can't do that in our, our Bill of Rights. And they said that the troops were not being punished when they harmed the colonials. So similar to what we're seeing today, that the police are not being punished when they harm uh, people uh, on the street uh, without cause. And so all this is this is all just being rehashed. It's over and over. And that they were cutting off the colonials trade with the rest of the world because they were upset with the colonies. The British were because we were misbehaving. So they said, well, we're not going to let your ships leave port. So we were having to sneak out at night to get our goods to market. And that they were taxing the British government and parliament. They were taxing the colonies without our permission. And so the idea of no taxation without representation came into into being with this. And some of the acts that were passed by the British that uh, actually are on the books or were on the books then were the Navigation Act, the Stamp Act, the Intolerable Acts, Tea Act, Quartering Act. And we all remember the Stamp Act because it, it imposed a one or two cent tax on any public document that was signed. So if you went to the notary, you had to pay a tax for your marriage license, for your uh, deeds to your property, for transferring uh, goods, for getting your, uh, your license to be a wood, wood maker, carpenter, or a printer, or whatever. And so this was a big deal. And people were saying... Well, you know, pennies are important to us. And did you know that they were also upset, the colonials, because they said that they were being terrorized by uh, 
by <clears throat> by the pirates who they considered uh, terrorists, and that the British Navy was not protecting them, and the pirates were going up and down the coast of the colonies and into the Caribbean, and they were pirating merchant ships. They were coming in and <clears throat> holding them up, taking their goods, and uh, impressing their sailors uh, to become pirates with them. And so the merchants were losing, they were losing their goods, they were losing their cotton, they were losing their sugar, they were losing their tobacco, they were losing all of their uh, wares that they had worked so hard to grow and export to, to the uh, Caribbean and to, and to the Europeans. I mean, that was how the, the country got money coming in at that time. It was uh, a big deal. So there was terrorism that they were upset about, that they were not being protected from. Does that sound familiar? A little bit, <laughs> yeah, sure does. I, when I, I was, do you know, Doc, this, is this just an old wives' tale or not, that uh, Ben Franklin actually wanted the turkey to be the national symbol? That is true. He, not the eagle? It was, a, it was a noble bird. And <clears throat> it is a noble bird. But, it, <clears throat> but it's so me. delicious, it would have been such a waste. <laughs> I know, and, you know, eagle's too tough to eat. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. We 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 had one a couple of Thanksgivings ago, and it just didn't work out very well. The beak is really chewy. It's a federal offense now, don't you? It's a federal offense, and and now they're roosting out here. I mean, they're roosting right in our neighborhood. We've got them everywhere. <laughs> okay, so that's true. I I heard that, but I never really believed it. I don't think that. Ben well, Franklin you know, the turkey is he, he did. And, you know, I, you know how he made his money. You, you know what he did? You know, he had the, the poor farmer, or poor Richard's almanac. I forget what he called it. And so this became very popular in, in, in Pennsylvania. And he said, geez, why don't I uh, franchise this out? So he started franchising it out to other printers up and down the colonies and then into the Caribbean. Because, you know, we had close relationships with the Caribbean from, from the get-go, the Caribbean islands. And so what he would do is he would write the copy. He would write the proofs, and then he would export those up and down the colonies and into the Caribbean to his printers. And uh, they would print it, and they'd deduct their costs. And then uh, the net, he, they would split with, with Ben Franklin. And that's how he got rich. He's pretty the cool. guy. He was quite the entrepreneur. He was an entrepreneur yeah. and inventor. And do you know when he invented the lightning rod, um, everybody said, oh, you need to patent this and sell this. He said, you know, this is too important to humanity for me to profit from it. And so he never patented the lightning rod. And that was a big deal because if your house got struck by lightning and it was mostly wood, uh, chances are it was yeah. going to burn to the ground. So the lightning rod was actually one of the great uh, 18th century uh health inventions and, and safety inventions. It was, you know, it was like the seatbelt was to the late 20th century. It was uh, unbelievable. And and he just said, hey, take it. Do you know that the king of, of France, when he was there, he went as a, as a, a, a legate and an emissary during the Revolutionary War. He and, he and Thomas Jefferson, they were in the court of the king of France trying to talk the, the French king into allowing ships and troops to come and help Washington out. You know, Washington had been waiting two or three years for this, and so they were there to petition for the support that the French had said they would give. And so they, they liked Jefferson because he was a gentleman. You know, he was, a, he was an upper 
class kind of guy. And ben was pretty much of a hippie. You know, he didn't <laughs> he didn't bathe every day, and his hair was a mess, and and he hung on to the to the old uh, hippie girls, and uh, and he he was so popular around the world. Did you know that? He was like uh, the Beatles were in the 1960s. He was, I mean, he was really, his picture was everywhere in the world. You could get uh, mugs with his picture on it. You could, and finally the king said, you know, I'm so sick of this guy. I went to use my chamber pot this morning. You know, you didn't have indoor plumbing then. So uh, you would pee in a pot or poop in a pot if it was cold outside because you didn't want to go out. Or if you were the king, of course, you couldn't go out because you had all these security people around you. And he said, I looked in there and guess whose face was at the bottom (laughs) of his chamber pot? Ben Franklin. They were selling Ben Franklin chamber pots at the at the uh, junk stores at the, uh, you know, at at the souvenir stores. So Ben was like a rock star and the king was, oh, God, please. Now I got to bear my butt to this guy <laughs> so that was uh that was a little bit of ben franklin he was really a character so when we come back we'll look at a few more of the grievances and then tell you what let's get some callers call in and, and let us know how they feel about the independence day and and the declaration of independence and we're at 877-969-8600 877-969-8600 and by the way um, i'll go ahead and give a mug away to the callers who call in and give us some interesting and helpful information what do you think about that ken uh, that's a great idea doc all right buddy i'm gonna go grab a cup of joe I love you guys. I'll be right back. Don't go away. With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. A sheriff's official says a shooting at a South Carolina nightclub left two people dead and eight wounded early this morning. Nobody was immediately taken into custody following the shooting at the Lavish Lounge. But a Greenville County Sheriff's spokesman says they were looking for two suspects. Authority had originally said 12 people were hurt, but that has had to be changed. Of the eight wounded, some had non-life-threatening injuries. Others were in critical condition. The Facebook post for the club says it's scheduled to, the, a group is scheduled to perform tonight and that the group that was scheduled to perform is fine. After being cooped up for months, kids need summer camps more than ever, but a smaller-than-usual cadre will enjoy the experience this year. Nationwide, the summer camp picture is coming into sharper focus with 15,000-plus summer camps deciding what to do about the virus. This is SRN News. Dr. Bill for Bay Area Medical, located at 6399 38th Avenue North in St. Pete, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Full-service clinic with x-ray, heart imaging, ultrasound, stress testing, and minor surgery. We provide quality health care in a warm and friendly atmosphere. We are multilingual, well-trained, and certified. Most American insurance and new patients accepted. Bay Area Medical, home of can care, 727 327- 3846411 Dr. Bill here with social distancing and sheltering in place telemedicine is here Bay Area Medical Home of Can Care Clinic offers telemedicine for new and established patients you can see me without an office visit schedule an appointment at 727-384-6411 727-384-6411 when it's time for your appointment type this web address into your cell phone or computer web browser doxy.me forward slash bay area med a cell phone works well and is all you really need 
For computers, you need a web camera and speakers. We'll give you this address when you call for your appointment. We accept most insurances and travel insurances. Canadians and visitors, please call your travel insurance company for an authorization number prior to the visit. Co-pays and deductibles apply. Self-pay rates are available. Just ask. We accept credit cards, PayPal, and Stripe. 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. Hello, this is Dr. Bill Handelman for our good friends at Tampa Bay Imaging. TBI provides state-of-the-art MRI and CT scanning with the lowest radiation possible. Most insurance plans accepted and self-pay rates are very competitive. TBI is conveniently located in Tampa and St. Pete with evening and weekend appointments. So call TBI today or ask your doctor. In Tampa, call 813-386-3674. St. Pete, call 727-545-9674. Balance of Nature, changing the world one life at a time. I started Balance of Nature, I think, the beginning of this year, and I just had my six-month follow-up on my blood work. Oh, my gosh. When the doctor's office called me, they were so impressed with the changes in my levels. It's hard to get a doctor excited, but when my doctor saw the blood work, she was excited. So I got a credit in the fruits and veggies, you know, balance of nature. And considering what I've seen in the blood work, it's well worth the cost. Experience the balance of nature difference for yourself. Right now, balance of nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Call 800-246-8751. That's 800-246-8751 or by going to balanceofnature.com and make sure to receive this special radio offer by using discount code results. Take AM860 the answer with you wherever you go with our mobile app, theanswertampa.com, Alexa, tune in, iHeart and at radio.com. Dr. Sebastian Gorka wonders why the media is giving Black Lives Matter a pass. If Russia is such a bad, bad thing for the last four years, Russia, 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 then why don't the corporations and the media have problems with Marxists? America First with Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Weeknights at 9 on AM 860, The Answer. Here is your exclusive AccuWeather forecast. Today, a mix of clouds and sunshine with a shower or thunderstorm around into the early parts of the afternoon with a high reaching 90. Rather cloudy tonight with a shower or thunderstorm in the area late at night, low 78. For tomorrow, some sun, a couple of showers and a thunderstorm. Humid day with a Monday high reaching 90. At night, it will be partly cloudy with a shower or thunderstorm at a low 78. That's your Accu Weather Forecast. I'm Kevin Snyder for AM860, The Answer. And I'm back. This is Dr. Bill. Welcome to the show. Uh, We are at 877-969-8600. We're talking about Independence Day and the Declaration of Independence, which is what we are celebrating on this day. And I'm going to tell you some of the other grievances that the the colonials had. They were also upset about not being protected from, uh, well, what had happened? Let me give you the background. At the end of the French and Indian War in 1760, the colonials had been led to believe that if they uh, participated as militia with their uh, British parent uh, to fight against the French and the Indians, uh, remember the Indians were playing the politics, so don't think that they were innocent either. They took sides, and the Lake Indians, uh, the Finger Lake Indians up in New York, they mostly sided with the French. And by the way, you may not have known this, but scalping was not 
invented by the British or the Indians. It was the French. The French said, hey, if you guys are going to go out and kill these colonials and these British, we need to see the, the, uh, the, uh, the proof. And so we want you to bring a scalp off of their head back so we know that you actually got them. And of course, a scalp was necessary because uh, they would then be able to see what race that person was for the most part. So the colonials were upset about a lot of things. Uh, the British, as I said earlier, were cutting off trades with parts of the world, uh, taxing without consent, uh, denying trial by jury. All this sounds familiar because it's all in our Bill of Rights uh, for transporting prisoners beyond the seas, that is, taking them out of the colonies and over to England to be tried uh, for offenses such as uh, uh, insurrection and rebellion, uh, for abolishing the free system of English laws in neighboring provinces, taking away their charters. Remember, the, a lot of these colonial, uh, a lot of colonies were chartered uh, by the crown over over the decades and the, uh, the centuries, and so those charters were taken away. And uh, <clears throat> the colonials were, lot, were also upset because they felt that uh, the British were plundering the seas and ravaging the coast, burning the towns and destroying lives of people, uh, transporting large armies of foreign mercenaries, uh, the Hessians, remember the Hessians that came over and fought uh, in the Revolutionary War for the, uh, for the British? You remember those guys, Ken? I remember hearing about Hessians somewhere along the way in high school, yes. Yes, the Hessians were German mercenaries. And, of course, the, uh, the, 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 the Georges, the British crown, the House of Hanover, they were from Germany. So they came over after the English Civil War and uh, they were invited in to help restore order. Uh, William of Orange and Mary had run off the last of the Stuarts, and then they brought in the, the German Hanover family, which changed their name to Windsor in World War I. And so Queen Elizabeth is now a Windsor. They said that Hanover was too German-sounding, and in World War One, of course, they were fighting the Germans. So the British decided to change, and they, of course, they'd been there for 200 years. So, but at any rate, at that time, uh, there were close relationships between the uh, German kingdoms and the English crown, and so they got mercenaries to come over and help uh, fight against the colonials, and the Hessians were. Uh, uh, some of the mercenaries from Germany that that the king had sent over. And by the way, at the Battle of, of uh, Trenton, remember when Washington crossed the Delaware and, and caught him in early morning in their underwear? Those were the Hessian troops he captured. So that was in New Jersey, if you don't remember. Now you do. Oh, I know. It made a great painting. It's uh, Yeah, it's a great <laughs> painting. and. And it's a great story. I mean, you know, the guys crossing the Delaware in the, the dead of winter in the middle of the night, everybody's wet and cold. And I'm sure they were not happy with Washington saying, you know, the old man's lost his mind. <laughs> <laughs> but then they got over there and they, they took the whole barracks of, of Hessians. And, of course, they got all their guns and their munitions. And I'm sure they got some some cannons. And, uh, you know, they did pretty good for, for a late night shift work. Not bad at all. Can't argue with success. That's right. No, no, you can't argue with success. 
And uh, the king was also stirring up, uh, the, the crown was also stirring up those who were loyal to the crown, the colonials, to, uh, to uh, uh, rebel against those who wanted to rebel against the crown. So there was domestic insurrections going on, there was fighting, there was uh, all kinds of uh, uh, bad blood, and there was also the fact that the king had told the colonials, led them to believe that they could settle west of the Appalachians, east of the Mississippi, after they helped in the French and Indian Seven Years' War. And then he turned around and said, no, he's going to let that be the Native Americans' land. And so the colonials were like, wait a minute, we were fighting some of these Native Americans in the French and Indian War, and now you're going to, give the, you're going to reward them and give them this, let them have this? And of course, the, uh, the Indians were saying, well, this is our land anyway. And the colonials were saying, what are you talking about? You don't have any deeds to this. You have no permanent village, villages for the most part. You're nomadic. What, what in the heck are you talking about? So there was bad blood there. And that uh, they felt that the crown and King George and the British had actually uh, stirred the Indians up against the Native Americans, up against the colonials to attack them and wage war on them. So you probably didn't know this, but one of the first things that, that Washington did uh, when the uh, Revolutionary War broke out is I, I think he sent Patterson and he told Patterson, he said, get rid of the Lake Indians, push them all out, push them into Canada. And the Lake Indians are upstate New York, you know, uh, Seneca, Iroquois, uh, Cuyahoga, all the five or six big finger lakes that are the residuals of the, uh, of the uh, Ice Age, the, the, the uh, lakes that were carved by the uh, glacial movement and left full of water when the glaciers retreated. So that's one of the first things that, that Washington did. He said, I don't want to have to fight a war on two fronts. And so they booted the Indians out, who were the, the five nations, who were the Lake Indians, the Finger Lake Indians. And uh, that prevented a second front up in upstate New York. And, of course, at Fort Ticonderoga, uh, we won that battle, and that was a big deal, too. So they were concerned about a number of things. And you can say, this all sounds pretty familiar, you know. Yes, it does. By the way, look what the government in Beijing's doing. They're hauling off people from Hong Kong who rebel and taking them back to Beijing. And the people in Hong Kong are saying the exact same thing that we were saying. Hey, this isn't right. You said that we were uh, to be self-ruling, and now you're hauling us off to your courts in Beijing. Well, you can imagine that the colonials were not too happy about all of this. So... We celebrate this, and the colonials said, you know what, we have the right to wage war. We have the right to elect our own government. We have the right to make treaties. We have the right to, uh, to uh, conduct trade with the world, and you can't stop us, and we're leaving, and we did. But like all family uh, arguments, it got a little bloody. And uh, I know none of you have ever had any sons that you fought with, so that's probably uh, of no value to make that analogy. I know, Ken, you, did you have sons, Ken? No, two daughters, a brother that I went at it with once in a while. But <laughs> did you throw him out? <laughs> uh, try to. <laughs> you tried to. 
<laughs> sick the I sick my dog on him once, so. <laughs> I hope that you guys made up. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yes. Sir. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Sort of. <laughs> so at the end of all this, the, the, uh, Const- the uh, Declaration of Independence says, we therefore, the representatives of the United States of America, In 1776, they called themselves the United States of America, and General Congress assembled, appealing to the supreme judge of the world for the rectitude of our intentions, for, you know, to give us a blessing that we're right, do, in the name and by authority of the good people of these colonies, solemnly publish and declare that these united colonies are, and of right, ought to be free and independent states, and that they are absolved from all allegiances to the British crown, and that all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is and ought to be totally dissolved, and that as free and independent states, they have full power to levy war, conclude peace, contract alliances, establish commerce, and do all other acts and things which independent states may of right do. So one of the great things that the British left us is a rule of law. And this is just so vital to us having a coherent society. And that's why it's so important that we uh, make sure that our Constitution is defended, whether we agree agree with all parts of it or not, because you know what? If we don't defend our Constitution, then all the other great books and all the other holy books will not be protected. So the first thing, the, the one document that is above all others, above the Bible, the Koran, everything else, is the Constitution, because it protects all the other documents, all the other holy books all the other writings. And so, for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, calling on God again, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. And after they signed it, and they were leaving, you know what Ben Franklin said? He said, we better all hang together, or we'll be hung individually. (laughs) (laughs) He was quite a wordsmith. I really enjoyed him. He was a character. He sounds like somebody I would like to hang out with. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I'm sure he was like a drinking buddy. And, oh, Adams, he just, he found him disgusting. You know, he was like, they, he and, he and, uh, uh, he and Ben had traveled at the beginning of the Revolutionary War from Philadelphia to New York to meet with Admiral Howe or General Howe, uh, who was leading the assault on New York and had pushed the, uh, the, uh, uh, the Continental troops out of New York and up into Harlem Heights and, and was getting, to, getting ready to crush them completely. And so the uh, Continental Congress sent uh, Ben and John Adams together to go and meet with Howe under a flag of truce. And so Adams talks about when he and, and Ben were traveling, and, you know, in those days, if you stopped at an inn, chances are that, you had to double bunk, you know, you had to two people to a bed, you had to sleep two to a bed. And, and so Franklin insisted, he, and this is, uh, you know, in winter, it's cold out, and he insisted on keeping a window open. <laughs> 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 Adams was so mad, he was freezing his butt off. <laughs> and the idea of snuggling up to Ben, who stunk, <laughs> he, he just did not like that at all. <laughs> And then he ended up being sent as a as a uh, as an ambassador or a legate or representative to the uh, French court late in the Revolutionary War to kind of see if he could put the 
put the uh, put the goose to the movement to get the French off their butts to send in the fleet and the troops and help us out, which eventually they did. And he <laughs> he's talking about Ben's latest girlfriend, who Ben was just head over heels for, and of course she was rat haired and and you know the, the hippie of the day, and he's like, oh my god. <laughs> Franklin is insane. <laughs> oh, these guys must have had uh, such an interesting life, uh, such so many stories to tell and so much that they saw and did and started. Listen, I'm all for everybody's life mattering. Actually, I'm not. There's some lives, as I've said before, don't matter. Some need to be locked up and some need to be in psychiatric hospitals. But uh, and I had this bum on my property the other day, and I'm, I've got a breezeway between the two uh, wings of my building, and I go in and he's sitting there smoking a cigarette with his dog peeing on my property. And I'm like, "What are you doing? Get off my property! I'm waiting for the pharmacy to fill my prescription." Yeah, right. You know, he's just some bum, and uh, this is private property. Get off. Go somewhere else. You, you want to wait for your prescription? Go wait in the pharmacy, which, of course, he didn't do. He wandered off with his dog somewhere else. Uh, but, you know, the idea that I have a right to my property is inherent to our way of life. And the idea that I have a right to certain freedoms and uh, certain liberties uh, is inherent to our way of life. They're intertwined. The whole idea of property and person and uh, individual freedom, they're, they're intertwined. And the, the thing that groups like Black Lives Matter and the anarchists want to do is they want to take our property away. They want to take our rights away. They go hand in hand. And we have to resist that. Even if you don't agree with everything you hear on the conservative side, even if you don't like Trump because he's such a showboat, uh, even if you don't think that he's putting sentences together correctly, you have to love what he's protecting. And that's our way of life. Without that, without these inalienable rights, without these basic human freedoms and rights, which, by the way, are expanding to all people as we mature. And, and remember, at this time, we were, we were a baby country, a baby nation. We were hardly even uh, uh, on the, on the uh, world map. We got on it after this. By the way, Frederick Douglass was the great uh, black lawyer. He was a former slave. He, he escaped slavery in, in the 1840s and uh, went to New York and became a lawyer, and he was the great orator. He was the Martin Luther King of the 19th century, and he gave a speech on July 5th, 1852, at the Corinthian Hall in Rochester, New York. And uh, by the way, the, the president, President Lincoln, you're, you know, four score and seven years ago, guess where he got that from? Uh, Frederick Douglass said in his speech, three score years and ten is a lot of time for individual men, but nations number their years by thousands. So what was the updraft of his speech at this time? It was that, I congratulate you on your holiday, your day of independence, but this is not the day of independence for black Americans, for those who are 
uh, still bound in chains and in slavery. And so this is something that we have to take into consideration that at that time, this great and, and uh, eloquent man spoke to a mostly white audience about freedom and reminded them that slavery was still there. That was, uh, that was changed. And I'm out of here. I am Dr. Bill, your radio of everything. D, everything goes good. Thank you.